What's up, everybody? Welcome back, and thank you for tuning in to the second episode of Signed Off the Couch. I am your host, Brian Reed. Before we get into it today, all I want to do is apologize for that one nothing Champions League final that happened yesterday, uh, Sunday, August 23rd. I promised you guys a high-scoring, exciting affair. I feel like the game was exciting for soccer fans or European football fans. But for the odd person who was just tuning in or trying to jump on, on the bandwagon for the first time, maybe a bit of a dud. I apologize for that. Um, the first half was great. It is not my fault that Manuel Neuer, the goalkeeper for Bayern Munich, just decided that Paris Saint-Germain wasn't going to score it. He had a great game. They had a lot of opportunity early, and then Byron kind of took over. As soon as Byron scored and made it one nothing, it became kind of a game of keep away, even though it was still kind of wide open. Um, Newer kind of made some pretty crazy saves at the end of that game too. But ideally, if Paris Saint-Germain would have scored early in that game, it would have been a lot of back and forth, and it probably would have been a 4-3-5-3 game, like I said. But again, can't predict the future. And also, I try not to make any promises because, like I said, I only hit about 325. So that means I fail almost 7 out of 10 times. That's my bad. I hope you guys enjoyed the game. Um, please, please continue to watch European soccer or any soccer. It's a great game. It's a great sport. Uh, it's very enjoyable. And with that, today we're going to talk a lot about the NBA bubble, the playoffs that are going on. Obviously, it's the hottest thing. In, in sports right now and, and some pretty crazy things happened in the first set of game fours on Sunday. Uh, following that, we're going to get into a little bit of NFL talk. Um, one of my favorite, sorry, I don't know why I just said one of my favorite. My favorite NFL team is the Baltimore Ravens and some crazy, crazy stuff went down this weekend where they ended up releasing a Pro Bowl, Pro Bowl safety, future Hall of Fame safety, which is batshit crazy, especially if they're in the middle of or have hope of winning a Super Bowl this year. Not a lot of teams would have made the decision they made. We're going to get into that a little later. You can hear my opinion on it, my take on it. Uh, and then after that, we're going to go and shoot the buzzer beater, and I'm going to see if I can uh, knock it down. I feel like I knocked it down last time. I'm going to take a shot at it again this time. So without further ado, let's get right into NBA talk. So yesterday, uh, again, Sunday, the 23rd of August, was the first set of game fours um, in the NBA. So the Toronto Raptors swept the Brooklyn Nets. The Boston Celtics swept the 76ers. The Utah Jazz went up 3-1 on the Denver Nuggets. And the Cinderella Dallas Mavericks, led by Luka legend Doncic, tied their series 2-2 off this crazy step-back buzzer-beating three that he hit over uh, Reggie Jackson. I mean, anytime you hit a game-winning three over a guy like Reggie Jackson, there's a problem there because guess who shouldn't be guarding someone shooting a, a game-winning three? And that's Reggie Jackson, especially a team that has a Paul George or a Kawhi Leonard. But that's beside the point. Maybe we'll get into that in a little bit. What I really want to talk about in regards to the series and the NBA playoffs is the ascension that we are witnessing of Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic, widely considered one of the best players in the NBA. He's only 21 years old. This is his second year in the league, uh, which is Something to say in and of itself, because not a lot of guys get that instant recognition that early, but he is such an all-around player. He's he's crazy good. He's doing things that no one has seen in the league in, in very long time. A lot of people liken him to like a like a, a young LeBron or, or the next LeBron or, or something along those lines. But ultimately, he's his own guy, and he's 
rewriting or, or doing a lot of things right now that surprise everybody. He had a great regular season. He put up some crazy numbers. He did some crazy things. He's got a whole bunch. He's got a great highlight reel already. But that shot he hit over Reggie Jackson on Sunday was the new shot heard around the world. Surprised a lot of people. The fact that the Mavs are 2-2 and against the LA Clippers, also surprising a lot of people. So right now we're in a place where if Luka Doncic can beat Kawhi Leonard and the LA Clippers, the number two seed and preemptive favorites to win the whole friggin' thing. Luca, all of a sudden, maybe right there in that moment, takes the crown. <laughs> it's crazy to say you got to think he's got to win a championship to actually be considered the greatest player in the league or the best player in the league right now. But to knock out Y Leonard, who was basically the, the best basketball player in the world in the playoffs last year. And arguably still is the best basketball player in the year. Still having he's the Kawhi is having a hell of a series, you know, put up a hell of a game the other day. But he couldn't stop Luca. Luca had 43 points, 17 rebounds, 13 assists, and he hit that massive three-pointer at the end. It's just nuts. So all we got to do right now as fans of the game, sit back and watch this play out. Because guess how many players in the league you would watch or or you would kind of think hey, you know, they have this guy, so that means they will win this series eventually. There's one, LeBron James. The dude went to eight straight NBA Finals, you know. Um, Steph Curry, arguably, in Golden State. Same idea. Their, their team was stacked, but because he was on that team and they were in the playoffs, they had a, they had a shooter's chance anytime. You know, Kawhi Leonard last year with the Raptors. It became this crazy thing where he was just going to will that team to victories and will that team to a championship. Obviously, I, I got pretty fired up last week about how he wasn't the only reason why they made a championship, but he almost single-handedly beat the 76ers in round two last year for the Toronto Raptors. So, I mean, he had a big hand in all of it. And he's one of those guys that, again, you, you hear his name and you're like, his team is not going to lose that series because he is going to will them to victory. Now, is Luka Doncic on that level right now? Who knows? You know, but if he beats Kawhi in this series, all of a sudden he's that guy, you know, and he's that guy that going in in this next series, they're going to say, hey, they have Luca. Luca gives them a chance to win this series. A lot of people have said that coming in, but I don't think a lot of people believed it. I think a lot of people thought that they would win a game, maybe two, which they have. But will they take the series in six? Will they take the series in seven? Probably not likely. For me right now, after watching Kawhi Leonard play all of last year and, and the, throughout the entire playoffs, I have to say that he and the LA Clippers will pull this series out. I don't know if they'll win it in six, but they will certainly win it in seven if it goes to seven. And it would not surprise me in the slightest if it came down to, you know, a, a last possession of the game in, uh, in game seven. Now it just depends on which team has that ball. Is it going to be Kawhi Leonard facing down Luka or is it going to be Luka facing down Kawhi Leonard? You know, whoever has possession at the end, one of those guys is going to hit that shot and we're going to be laughing and it's going to be crazy. And it's whatever happens is going to be legendary probably. And hopefully it gets to that. Hopefully each team can win another game. They can go seven because the rest of the first round in the NBA, you know, eh. The teams that are winning are supposed to win. I know last week I kind of talked about 
how both number one seeds lost their first game. Well, since that conversation, they both won their next two games and, you know, they'll both probably win today. Now, if Portland can surprise the Lakers and, and even the series at 2-2, then heck, maybe we have another great series in the works. But likely the uh, Magic will lose today. The Bucks will win. They'll be up 3-1. Um, the Heat are probably pretty likely to put out the Indiana Pacers today, which would be another sweep. So that would be three sweeps in the East and, and then one kind of gentleman sweep in five, which is the likely outcome of that Bucks series. So anyway, crazy. Keep watching, enjoy it, live in that moment. If we get to see Luca ascend into the LeBron, the Kawhi territory, the playoff success territory, just embrace it because it's going to be great. It's going to be fun. And guess what? The guys 21, those Dallas Maverick teams are going to be good for a very long time. This guy's going to make a ton of money. He's going to do a lot of crazy things. As long as he can stay healthy and stay in shape, Luka Doncic, he's, he's, he's going to be the guy two, three, four years from now. He's the guy, so watch out. All right. Staying in the playoffs, let's let's just talk a little bit about the Toronto Raptors sweep. Um, the major, major thing that happened in that game was the Kyle Lowry injury, which is unfortunate timing, um, just because Kyle Lowry is the leader of that team. You know, he brings the heart. He brings the, the, the basketball IQ that he has, the mentality, the championship DNA, all this stuff. You know, a lot of the guys on the team have that kind of ingrained in them after the run they went on last year, and you can see it. Um, they pick each other up, so on and so forth. You got to think that they would be okay if Kyle Lowry were to miss some time. But ultimately, they're a better team with him in the lineup. Uh, he's a great player. He sets the tone. He knows when he's needed. He knows when he can kind of back off and let the other guys do their thing. He's just overall an incredible basketball player. And he would be a loss. Now, you have the Celtics coming in. The Celtics lost uh, Gordon Hayward to an injury as well. He probably won't play in the second round at all. Um, if he is to come back, it would be in the, the Eastern Conference Final or potentially the NBA Final, depending on how his rehab and all this stuff goes or if they make it. Now, Gordon Hayward, you know, he adds um, – he adds – you know, a different aspect to the Celtics. He's just a, a long, lanky defender. He can he can guard, you know, fours, fives, threes, twos, anywhere on the floor. He he switches very well, you know, and then you have to account for his shot. You have to account for a little bit of his his post game, even though he doesn't really do it that much. You still have to account for him because he is kind of a natural scorer when he gets going. Um, he doesn't have to do that with the Celtics because they have so much talent in Tatum and Brown and Kendall Walker. Uh, but he has that ability to do that. He's just another guy that you had to account for. So I don't really think the Lowry and Hayward injuries, you know, even themselves out uh, just because I think Lowry has more of an impact on the game. But Hayward's a pretty significant loss, especially when you're playing the Raptors and you need athleticism and you need length defending them. Um, and, and you need shooting, obviously, playing against them. So, you know, will they offset? Who knows? Will Kyle Lowry miss any time? I don't know. It was just announced that he has a sprained ankle. You know, he's got three days, three and a half days to kind of figure it out and get better. Luka Doncic sprained his ankle a couple of days ago and came back and played and played 46 of a possible 48 minutes and scored 43 points. Modern medicine is crazy. So, you know, don't lose hope now or don't lose hope yet, Toronto Raptor fans. Hopefully he's there. If he's not, we still have an incredible young core of talent. 
as you can see, uh, obviously they dismantled the Brooklyn Nets 150 to 122 yesterday. So do not worry too, too much about the loss of Kyle Lowry. He's tough as nails. If he can play, he'll play. If he can't play, that's fine. They will have to find a way to, to just win games. You know, that's it. That's all. Fred Van Vliet gets more, more time, uh, more minutes, more possessions with him controlling everything. And, and maybe that's not a bad thing. You know, not saying that they're a better or worse team without him, but Norm Powell's playing really well. Serge is playing really well. Either of those guys can enter the starting lineup and we'd be in pretty good shape. It's just a matter of executing. You know, do we trust Nick Nurse and the talent that the Toronto Raptors have to overcome an injury slash come out on top in a six or seven or, you know, the, a long series? Sure. You know, so let's do that. Let's just trust in that and see what happens. Um, next thing I want to kind of get into is the Philadelphia 76ers, arguably the most disappointing team of the year. Uh, or maybe even the most disappointing team of the last three years. So a lot of people have picked these guys to go to the NBA Finals several or a couple of years in a row, and they just haven't performed. Um, so what I want to do is get into um, this new segment that I'm going to little you know test out. It's, it's like the the Goldilocks segment, you know. Um, yeah, so there's going to be three takes. One's a cold take, one's a medium take, and one is a hot take. Hot take, that's the one you want to eat. So that's going to be the best one. Um, so first of all, cold take, and the only reason why this is a cold take is because it is inevitable, but Brett Brown, the 76ers coach of the last eight years, will be fired in the next couple of weeks. It just is what it is. They should have fired him last year when they lost to the Raptors in seven. They didn't. He got the benefit of the doubt because of the crazy four-bounce shot that Kawhi hit, um, the former shot heard around the world. So he should have been fired already. He shouldn't have a job. You know, it is what it is. He hasn't done anything. He's terrible at, at adjusting. You know, the roster that was built for the 76ers, they made some very odd or weird decisions this year, bringing in, you know, Al Horford and signing Harris to that massive, massive contract when you don't really have a reliable ball handler. You know, I know Jimmy Butler didn't want to stay with the team, but Jimmy Butler would have been a guy that you would pay before Harris, whatever. Anyway. Brett Brown deserved to get fired last year. Definitely deserves to get fired this year. I think he'll be fired in the next couple of weeks. The reports are already coming in that he's probably gone. Next, medium take. Again, this one and the hot take kind of tie into themselves, so don't get ahead of yourselves here. But the medium take is that Ben Simmons will get traded. Now, if it were me making the decisions, I keep Ben Simmons 10 times out of 10. I think he's the guy. I think he's the guy you build a team around. I think he's the guy that can lead you to, you know, the promised land in the future. If you get the, guy, the right guys around him, obviously you need more shooting. Um, so I would not trade him. But a lot of people out there are saying that he could potentially be traded, you know, for the right package. Um, I think that would be batshit crazy. Uh, so I wouldn't trade him. He's out there. People are saying it. If they get the right package, maybe they consider it. But again, I think he is the kind of guy that could be an all-world talent. If he ever learns how to shoot a three, uh, if he ever gets it in his head that that is the thing that would put him over the top, you're looking at a guy that's very similar to a Giannis Antetokounmpo. You know, he just is. So anything could happen there. I wouldn't get rid of him because if you do, maybe he gets a chip on his shoulder, learns how to shoot a three, and then all of a sudden he's dominating the NBA. 
not that he hasn't already because he has already. He's a great basketball player. If he was in this series, they definitely don't get swept, you know. Um, the hot take next is that Joel Embiid, Joel Embiid should get traded. Now, this one I'm on board with. Joel Embiid is a monster. He should be the best big man in the NBA. He just should be that. He's this huge guy. Um, he, he works the post better than anybody. But he's almost always been his whole career out of shape. He clearly doesn't take the game seriously enough. He's always talking smack. He's always getting the other team fired up. He provides the most bulletin board material in the league. He did it last year against the Raptors. He, he, he lit a fire under their ass when he was doing the, the plane thing and flying around the gym after they won a game. Whatever. I don't like him. I like him as a dude. Sorry. I just, I just don't like that he doesn't take the game seriously. So I, if it were up to me, would trade Joel Embiid. That is my hot take. I think they should do it. I think they should do it this year as well. His value is very high. He's had a very good year. Um, maybe it's time. You know, bring in a new coach, trade Joel Embiid, get it, get some, get some young talent, some shooters. I don't know where you trade him or or who gets him or who's willing to take him, but build the team around Ben Simmons. You've tried this, where where you've tried to build the team around Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and it just doesn't work because those two guys don't necessarily work well together. So maybe it is time to trade Joel Embiid. And that is the hot take. Um, that's all I got for the NBA. So let's hit a break here. And then when we come back, we'll talk a little bit of NFL. Welcome back, everybody. It's time to get into the Earl Thomas situation. Listen, first of all, again, like I said, I'm a Baltimore Ravens fan through and through, have been for 20 plus years. This, I'm not going to lie to you, was a bit of a gut punch when I checked my phone after getting off the golf course yesterday afternoon. I saw the news. I saw the headlines. This kind of felt like it was inevitable, but it didn't really seem like it was going to happen until it actually happened. And uh, Earl Thomas, the Ravens' former Pro Bowl safety, was released from the team. His contract was terminated for conduct detrimental to the team. Again, initial reaction was, man, how do you make this decision when you have such high hopes for a Super Bowl run or a deep playoff run this year. Again, Earl Thomas, super talented guy. Maybe his name holds a little more sway than his actual play these days. But again, he was a Pro Bowl safety last year, so he played pretty well. Um, initially, crazy, huge bummer. But after reading about it and trying to gather as much information as I can, obviously, I believe the Baltimore Ravens made the right decision. Um, they're one of the smartest front offices in the NFL, let alone, you know, probably in sports period. So you got to have a little bit of faith, a little bit of confidence in them to make the right decision. At this time, uh, I know last year there was a bunch of reports about how Earl Thomas wasn't really liked in the locker room. You know, he was late for some practices, late for some meetings. Maybe he wasn't taking it as seriously as, as some of the other guys. I mean, when it comes right down to it is the Baltimore Ravens, uh, they believe in themselves as a team. They believe that they have a shot at a Super Bowl this year. They, they believe that they have, you know, a shot at a really, really deep playoff run. So with that belief, everybody has to be on board. You know, everybody's got to make sacrifices. Everybody's got to work as hard as they possibly can in order to kind of make all that come true. And I think they, they, 
they realized that when they, they bowed out early last year in the playoffs against the Titans. So ultimately, like, I, I can't fault them for making this decision. Um, if you're a Ravens fan or, or if you're looking for someone to put you a little bit at ease, all I could tell you is that the Ravens had one of the deepest secondaries in the league, if not the deepest secondary in the league prior to this decision. They still have probably the best set of corners in the league with Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jimmy Smith, Tavon Young, um, and on and on and on. Even with Chuck Clark back there, he's kind of the he's the guy with the safeties now. And and Deshaun Elliott, who's like a third-year player, he's going to come in. And the guy has flashed in the past, but he's always had injury problems. I think of the 32 possible games he could have played in, he only played in six of them, and most of those snaps were probably special teams. Um, maybe a little bit of defense and some blowouts last year. But anytime the guy's been on the field, he's knocking a ball away. He's making a big hit. He's, 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 you know, intercepting a ball. I think he had a couple picks in, in different preseason games that he's played. Granted the talent level that he's playing against has generally not been that good, especially if it's garbage time or again, preseason play. Um, but it doesn't matter if, if the, he's the guy that the rest of the players want to have that position and to play alongside them, then he's the guy you go. because. Reports are all coming in saying that the Ravens player leadership council were really the driving force behind the whole thing. They were basically saying they didn't think that Earl was on the same page. They didn't think that he necessarily cared or he was, he was even ready to make the commitment that they've all made to to this run coming up. Um, you know, he's missing meetings. He's missing assignments on the practice field. He's not watching a lot of tape. He's just not grasping, you know, the Ravens. Uh, schemes or anything along those lines he's he's been in the defense for over a year 18 months now so he should have been grasping everything better at this point but he just wasn't and guys were kind of you know letting him hear it a little bit they were telling him the shape up or ship out kind of thing and then it, everything just kind of came to a head in practice uh at the end of last week he and chuck clark got into it i think he threw a punch at chuck clark he was sent home he was held out of practice the next day, and then they make this decision. So when it comes right down to it is the Baltimore Ravens, their their players, their organization, their front office, everybody involved in the team really, really thinks they have a real shot here. And if they didn't make the decision they did, maybe that shot goes out the window. Maybe Harborough starts to lose the locker room a little bit. But now, hopefully, they can start to maybe bring everybody in, unite everybody. And maybe they can rally around this. They can rally around Deshaun Elliott. Deshaun Elliott can take over. Maybe Jimmy Smith starts to get some snaps at safety. Either way, the Baltimore Ravens are going to be fine with, with Wink Martindale, their defensive coordinator. That guy schemes up so many different things and so many unique looks that maybe you don't need a high-end talent like Earl Thomas. You know, last year he played a lot of time in the box. He was also playing center field too, but you can you can interchange a lot of guys to do that. You know, Jimmy can can cover tight ends one on one. Jimmy can play a little center field and and he's, you know, pretty good with the ball in his hands and he can seek the ball out too. He's also great around the line of scrimmage. He's a good blitzer. Tavon Young is back from that neck injury. That guy had several different sacks coming out of the nickel position, so he can easily do that again if Wink dials something up for him. The Ravens are going to be fine. They have tons of talent to, to, to make up for Earl Thomas, especially the way that they scheme guys in and out. Um, you have Anthony Levine who can jump in and, and stop the run. Geno Stone, 
who's apparently not the most athletic guy in the world, but he has a lot of ball skills for a safety. He finds the ball, he catches the ball. It's it's all he did in college, and you know he, maybe he gets a shot at doing it in the NFL, especially if Deshaun Elliott gets hurt again. Um, and like I said, Tavon Young is there too. Maybe you look outside the organization for a guy that played a little bit of a hybrid safety corner role last year in a Brandon Carr, something along those lines. But ultimately, did the team get a little bit worse? Maybe. Uh, will Deshaun Elliott make up for the missing piece in Earl Thomas? Who knows at this point? Does he have the opportunity to do so? Yes. Will his teammates rally around him and push him to get as good as physically possible? Of course they will, because he's the guy that they want playing. So he's the guy that they chose. So Earl, no hard feelings, man. I hope you find a spot somewhere. I hope somebody gives you some money and, and, and pays you to a lot of money because the more money you're paid from somebody else, the less the Ravens will pay in the long run. Um, I know there's going to be a grievance and it's going to be all played out, but what I read the other day is that the Ravens will have an extra five to six million dollars in cap space, which means they're up around 12 to 13 million in cap space right now, which could mean a run at some kind of pass rusher. You know, Jadavian Clowney's still out there. That would be pretty buck wild if they were to bring him in on a one year prove a deal. Um, either that or maybe they make a trade for Yannick Ngakwe. I heard he can get had for a second round pick, you know a third or fourth round pick to, to the Jaguars for Yannick and Gokwe. I think you're happy with that. And you, you ride out the, the year and you, you push for, you know, playoffs in the Super Bowl. And I think you're okay with that. So if we can end up turning this situation into a, oh man, we lost Earl Thomas, but hell yeah, we got a Jadavian Clowney or we got a Yannick and Gokwe or Melvin Ingram or something out of it to help the pass rush. That's a win for Baltimore Ravens fans, and that's a win for the for the Ravens because again, the secondary is so stacked. You know, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Tavon Young, these guys don't need as much help over the top as a lot of teams do with the safety. So maybe the safety is not a premium position as much uh, on this team, you know. So again, Wink Martindale is gonna figure it out. He's gonna find someone who's gonna fill Earl's shoes. Maybe, maybe that someone can't fill Earl's shoes in every single package. But maybe we have three or four different guys who can fill or, or kind of come together and, and fill it collaboratively. Who knows? The season's right around the corner, though, and we're going to find out. Big, big test in week one for the Ravens with the Cleveland Browns on the map. Cleveland is, is probably pretty pissed off at how bad they were last year and really, really hoping to bounce back. So big test for Deshaun Elliott, especially against that receiving core and uh, Austin Hooper and those tight ends that they have over there. So. It's going to be pretty good. Again, stay tuned. Keep an eye on the Ravens. Keep an eye on pass rushers, whoever's still available. Clay Matthews, you know, Jadavion Clowney, um, maybe a trade in Ngakwe or Melvin Ingram. Something may come there. I would love it. It would be so good to have a guy opposite Matt Judon that could actually make some plays um, while that secondary holds everything together. I think the Baltimore Ravens are going to be fine. Do not worry about losing Earl Thomas life is going to be okay and with that let's hit another break let's come back with a buzzer beater all right welcome back just before we wrap up i'm going to throw up the buzzer beater this week's buzzer beater is that greg popovich will be the brooklyn nets head coach whenever next season starts crazy to think right 
Well, apparently, rumor is that the Brooklyn Nets are, are going to talk to the San Antonio Spurs about trading for or bringing in Greg Popovich to coach them. I really think that Greg Popovich will see it as an opportunity for him to be on top of the NBA world again. He'll look at that roster and he'll look at Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, you know, DeAndre Jordan, Joe Harris, potentially if he resigns. He'll look at that. He'll see the opportunity to win NBA championships again, especially in the East, where it's far easier to kind of make it all the way to the NBA final. Um, and he will leave the Spurs after 25 or whatever years it's been. I think Greg Popovich will leave the Spurs. That is my my guess. That's my buzzer beater. That's my take. I think it might be some kind of trade, maybe a Spencer Dinwiddie going the other way or a second or first round pick going to the Spurs, whatever kind of compensation. And the Spurs will completely rebuild this year. And the Brooklyn Nets will be riding high with the second best coach in the NBA captaining the ship. All right, that's it for this week's or sorry, today's episode. Thanks for listening to Signed Off the Couch. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at SOT Couch and Instagram at Signed Off the Couch and subscribe to us on Spotify. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. 